0: Awesome. Well, today we also start a brand new series called, um, thank you, um, called Maximizing My Capacity. And this has been something on my heart for a while. I believe that all of us have got a capacity that needs to grow. You have not been given a static capacity. That means that you, what you are able to do now isn't what you're going to be able to do for the rest of your life. Rather, we have been designed by God to do amazing things, and those amazing things require us to maximize, to grow in our capacity. And so we kick that off today, and I want to start off by saying that one of the most damaging perspectives um, that I think is in our Christian, that has seeped into our Christian worldview, is that we are going to heaven. And there was silence in the room. Because everyone's like, Don't, isn't that what this whole thing is about? Didn't I say the sinner's prayer to get to heaven? Well, yes and no. You know, when I was growing up in Singapore in the Methodist church, uh, we did this outreach, which is really popular. It was called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. And you can see that. Whoa, awesome. Where will you be when reality strikes? Um, anyone actually attended one of these before? There are a few people who have been Christian long enough to know um, something that um, has actually positively impacted many lives and then on the other hand, has probably given the wrong idea to a whole other bunch of people. See, the whole point of Heaven's Gate's Hell's Flames in the little drama that we put on is that there's a conversation between two friends. And so they're having a chat, and one friend's believer, one friend is not. And they're kind of going, hey, you should believe in Jesus. And they're talking about some of the doubts. And then the person uh, who is the non-believer kind of is thinking about, oh, maybe I'll kind of explore this a little bit more. Or maybe it's like, oh, that's not for me. Or it's like, yes, let's say the sinner's they, and then, whatever happens in that moment, they die. And so, in true Singaporean fashion, I remember the one that stays in my mind is that they were at uh, one of uh, um, the hawker centers in Singapore and there was a gas explosion. And so, they all die after they ate um, some. And, they, and, and then, um, you know, and then they, it cuts to a scene where the person either appears at heaven's gates or in hell's flames. Um, because either their response to say the sinner's prayer has given them access to heaven or has thrown them into condemnation in hell. And that's kind of the whole thing of heaven's gates, hell's flames. However, the problem with this is that it gives us the picture that if I just, at the right moment, say the sinner's prayer, everything's too sweet. I'm all good. I've got my ticket stamp to heaven. And that isn't actually what the Bible teaches us. As Pastor Beck already mentioned a while ago, um, the whole idea of going to heaven is a little bit... um, misunderstood see heaven the best understanding of heaven the best true to the bible understanding of heaven isn't our final resting place but rather it is where god dwells for now and for us as believers really heaven is actually a temporary dwelling place when we die awaiting the resurrection so that god will bring about a renewal and restoration here on earth one author writes this the present heaven is a temporary dwelling place a stop along the way to our final destination the new earth if that challenges you it's probably because like me you've grown up on a diet of the left behind series you thought about the rapture, and you were hoping that the correct way of understanding the rapture is that it's before the tribulation, not halfway through the tribulation. Why is it not before or in the middle? It's because there is no rapture. There is no uh, scriptural backing for uh, where you disappear from where you are. You get teleported into heaven, and your clothes gets left behind. Anyone seen the Nicolas Cage movie? Don't. Actually, do, and have a good laugh. Because the whole idea that God is going to destroy and punish the earth and he's going to take all of his saints to this wonderful place is not found in the Bible. Rather, what is found in the Bible is like what Pastor Becker you mentioned is the new heavens and new earth, and we'll touch on that in a moment. I want to get this analogy into you because this is really important. Imagine that someone has a mansion or maybe even a castle that they are going to give to you in Europe. And so you are going to go to this castle because this is your inheritance. This is where you want to go. However, you probably have to do a stopover. And so maybe using this analogy, the person who is going to hand you the keys meets with you at the Singapore airport for a stopover now for any of you who know what the singapore airport is like today which i actually don't because i don't spend much time there there's like a flipping rainforest that they created in the airport they're like probably like massage places food places and there's like even like a theme park you could stay in singapore airport (laughs) you could literally live in singapore airport for a few days but if you who have like the person meets you gives you the key to the mansion imagine you say to this person hey thanks for the mansion the airport's pretty good that's kind of some of our christian perspective on what is going on we want the stopover rather than the real deal we want the middle point rather than the full thing and so what i want to unpack with you today is the full thing, and why the full thing really matters to us today. See, the ultimate blessing that God is giving to us isn't going to heaven, it's something really different. In Revelations 21 verses 1 to 4, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Now, I believe that the language of passed away isn't that it has disappeared, but rather that like all of us, we are going to pass away and be resurrected the language of resurrection is in this passage and it's in the new testament time and time again the passing away is so that the old is gone but the new is about to come so the first heaven and the 1st earth had passed away and the sea was no more and i saw the holy city new jerusalem which is supposed to symbolize i guess the new heaven where God dwells. This is His holy city coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither there shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. So the whole thrust of the New Testament isn't that God sees this corrupted, broken earth and says, no more. You guys suck. But those who love me, come to my mansion. Rather, God is saying, I am making my dwelling place with people. The whole point is that at the end, in Revelation 21, is supposed to be a reversal of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. Sin threw Adam and Eve out of God's dwelling place, and God doesn't then go save people to bring them to Him. Rather, His whole plan of redemption is to make this place ready for Him to dwell with us. And why this is important is because some of us, myself included, have at times gotten into our head that the material world is something that God despises. That isn't in the Bible. It's found in Plato, an old Greek dude. He thought that material was bad and spirit was good. And so he put this out there. And this was ancient times. This was even before Jesus. Jesus. We're getting it wrong when we think that God doesn't value this. Pastor Tim Healy last week spoke brilliantly about this. God values His creation. And here's the clincher. If we value what God values, we must value His creation. If we devalue what God values, we've got a catastrophic break in our relationship with God. If there's something that big values and I constantly put down, there's going to be a problem in our relationship, right? If there, even in friendship, if there's something that you really value, but someone, your friend constantly puts it down, constantly tramples on it, constantly like just crashes against that value, you're going to be like, I don't know if this relationship stands. It's the same with God, His value for all of creation is a mandate for us to value all of creation. That is what this is all about. See, if we are just simply living as though we're waiting for God to zap us into heaven, then you do not need to maximize your capacity. In fact, you might as well just kill yourself now. Hear me? Because that's better. How many of us really like waiting? How many of you like waiting when you know that the waiting room is pretty crap? No, you want to go. Our theology informs our behaviors. And if our theology is that God's going to zap us, then zap us now. Get rid of all of this. But the bible doesn't give us that understanding because the bible doesn't say wait passively because god's taking his time rather the bible actually tells us something completely different it tells us that we actually are meant to be active in our waiting for the new heavens and new earth second peter 3 verses 11 to 13 says this since all these things are thus to be dissolved and he was talking about the heavens and the current heavens and the earth what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness so understanding this is what peter is saying understanding that this present world is going to pass away and we want to be people followers of god what kind of people ought we to be we need to be holy and godly people right so what does that look like verse 12 well we are waiting for and hastening and hastening the coming of the day of god We're not waiting for the day of God. We're waiting for and hastening the day of the Lord. Because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolve and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. And now the picture again in our minds is like, that's destruction. But the picture of fire in the Bible is refining is a refining. It is not a getting rid of, it's a refining. It's getting rid of the corruption and the sin. But according to His promise, verse 13, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, right? And so we are meant to be waiting and hastening. The waiting is an understanding that what God is doing is, has been initiated but hasn't been completed. And there is a timeline that God is working to and so we are waiting for the fulfillment of it but peter doesn't say just wait because you've got no part to play rather he says that we get to hasten the coming of God why is it that we get to hasten the coming of the day of God is because God's plan is not so much a fixed time as much as it is a fixed plan The Bible tells us that the day of the Lord is awaiting the fullness of the number of people that are meant to come into the kingdom. The picture is that the kingdom has been inaugurated, and people are meant to be living as though we are kingdom bringers, kingdom ambassadors. And as, when it hits a critical point, then the kingdom of God is fully brought down to earth we are meant to be those ambassadors the purpose of our lives is not to get rich and famous is not to just be a good person is not to be a peaceful quiet down the side kind of a person but it's meant to be god's ambassadors we are called to be bringers of the kingdom of god and as we live As part of this ambassadorial body, the church, we experience the kingdom of God now. When we miss out on that, you've got to question yourself. Are you really in the kingdom of God? Let's go to the next scripture. Philippians 1 verses 21 to 25. Paul writes this, very famous verse for me to live is a cry sorry for me to live is christ and to die is gain. if i am to live in the flesh that means that means fruitful labor fruitful labor for me yet which shall i choose i cannot tell i'm heart pressed between the two my desire is to depart and be with christ for that is far better so Paul says this already. He, he says, I know that when my time is done here and I go to Christ in heaven, awaiting the resurrection and come back, that's really better. Because I'm actually with Christ all the time. That is better. But Paul saying it's better doesn't mean that that's what I should do. No, no. He submits himself to what God has required of him. So let's read on. I'm hard pressed because going to Christ is better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary. More necessary. When I was getting this ready, these words hit me. Am I living a life that is more necessary than simply checking out? Am I living a life that is more necessary? it is a necessary thing that when I wake up this morning and I have breath in my lungs, there is a purpose for which I am living. That tomorrow when I get up and I go to work, it's not because I'm just trying to earn money for a sustainable existence on this planet, but there is a necessary reason for me to be alive at this very point in time when when i this week has been a missional stirring up for me on tuesday i got to talk to the people from acci and when i heard about what these people are doing and and i hear that as a well-to-do australian i get to do something to impact lives i go there's a necessary reason why i'm alive i got together with a bunch of pastors on thursday night And we were talking about the ministry and what we're doing, and there was something in me that says, it's necessary that I'm still alive. We met up with more pastors on Friday, there was another pastor's gathering, and I was like stirred up because the mission of God is not done, and God has somehow, in His grace and mercy, chosen for me, little old Nate, to carry out a portion of His mission, and He says that it's necessary. So when you wake up and you are depressed and you are anxious and you don't know what your day is going to hold, do you realize that God is the sustainer of your life? And if he says that you are alive today, he's saying it is necessary for you to be alive. There is a reason and a purpose for you to be on this earth, if not, zap us away, God. Why, Why are we okay? Why am I okay? Sometimes we're doing things that are not necessary. See, this whole series, I was toying with the idea of growing my capacity, but I realized that maximizing my capacity is more real because God has given me all that I need for a godly life. I just use a lot of it on stupid things. I use a lot of it on inconsequential things. That steal from my vision that steal from my purpose I've got a lot of emotions that don't line up with the kingdom I've got a lot of desires that pull me every which way and so this series isn't so much about like this series is gonna be hard because I think at the basis of it it's actually gonna be about pulling things out that are stopping up your capacity stopping up the necessary vision of God on your life. Some of you say, but I don't want that. (laughs) Romans 8, 18, Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worse comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That the present sufferings, if your focus is on the present sufferings, you forget about the future glory. And that's what the waiting is all about, is understanding that this is not perfect. And there is a tension that we all have to hold, that we keep remembering that this isn't perfect, but God's going to redeem it. And he chooses to redeem it, at least in part, with me and through me. That's why I'm alive see resurrection life in its fullness is coming one day and its glory is going to be great but until that time do i know why i'm alive are you simply passively waiting or are you waiting and hastening see the picture that paul gives us in the bible that i think is a helpful image for us to consider for the next few weeks is this in 1 corinthians 9 24 to 27 Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. What race are you running? Seriously, when I was preparing this, this is my reminder, this is my stirring to myself. What race am I running? Because if we don't know what race we're running, we're going to be running aimlessly beating the air. You know one thing about beating the air is that it's actually more tiring than actually beating something. You know that? I learned this in my, I think, physics class years ago. Because when you are beating the air, there's nothing to stop your punch. You have to stop your punches and bring it back. But when you're hitting something, that thing stops you. And it's actually a lot less energy to hit something then they hit nothing but a whole bunch of us are hitting empty things we're building houses that are too big for our families we're getting cars that are too fast for our roads we're going on vacations to make us long for idyllic lifestyles I'm not saying any of those things are bad and we will cover that there is a purpose to enjoyment and rest That is a part of our capacity, and that is necessary, but at the basis of it, what race are you running? I had a whole other bunch of stuff, and you can talk to me about this, but I came down to this. If the race is about you, you're gonna lose. If the race is about you getting to the top of whatever, you're gonna lose. If you're gonna be the happiest, richest most famous whatever you're gonna lose but when i'm in god's team i can never lose see the race that i want to be on is not a race an individual race for myself but rather i will be rather in a relay race on god's team I think that's part of the language of Hebrews chapter 11, or is it Hebrews 12, since there's such a great cloud of witnesses, people that have gone before who have shown their faith, building God's kingdom, I will run my race. I'm in on relay. I'm standing on the shoulders of Noah, of Moses, of Joshua. I'm standing on the shoulders of even Jesus himself, of his earthly ministry, and Paul, and Peter, and the early church. And many of them have died running their race, running their part of the race, and I get to continue it on. And so if I see my race in the isolation of my own life, and I start to build my own empire, I forget that one day I die and all of that passes away. So what am I passing on? What have I received and what am I passing on? I have been blessed to be a blessing. that God has given me unmentionable riches and and, and I'm supposed to be handing it on. And that is how the whole process works. And in God's economy, none of that is wasted. None of that is lost. Every life, every prayer, every drop of blood, every drop of sweat, it is given to God. And so I maximize my capacity. I beat my body. I discipline myself because I'm not running a race for myself this is not an individual sport Christians you're in the greatest relay of all time but you've got to run the right race and Paul says some of us are going to be disqualified I don't know what that means I honestly don't know what that means, but it scares the crap out of me. I'm on this relay race. If I drop this baton, I get disqualified? Is it like Apostle Paul comes and says, come on man, you see how many lashes I got on my back and you dropped the flipping baton? How many times I got shipwrecked and you, you, you were too lazy to go to youth group? I don't know. I'm totally just imagining it, but I'm like, but it's true when there is a mission that is greater than everything else, everything comes in alignment with it. Disqualification is not an option. And some of us have got to get back on the race Some of us don't realise how close we are flirting with disqualification. Some of us are mucking around thinking that i got time. No you don't. It's not your time. It's God's time. And so as we close this morning if I can get the band up and if we can get the host teams ready we're going to have communion together as a family. A part of communion is that we are presencing and remember God's presence here with us. Communion is meant to be a corporate practice. The body of Christ is doing this practice. And I believe that it is also a moment of great grace, that God meets us where we are at. My message might have had a harsh tone to it, And so I'm bringing it back to Jesus first. We don't run this race because we're trying to earn God's approval. We run this race because Jesus has already given us approval. And because Jesus bought my life. Because Jesus purchased my life. I will run this race that he set for me. And at the end of time, I want to be able to say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. And so this morning, before we go any further, let's presence Jesus in this moment. Let's remember that Jesus purchased my life. That is by his blood that I have been washed clean. That his body was broken instead of mine. And by his grace... I have been set free. I have a purpose. It is necessary for me to be here today. It is necessary for me to continue the mission that Jesus has set forth with his life. And so this morning, why didn't you take the bread and why didn't you take the cup? Jesus, I pray that we remember why we exist. We don't exist for ourselves, we exist for our Creator. And God, I pray that we remember that even though that we have lived lives corrupted by sin, that you have already redeemed us, you have brought us back into relationship with you. And I pray, God, that you help us to value what you value, to love what you love, to be stirred up by the things that you are stirred up for. I pray that your presence in this place right now breaks our heart for what breaks yours to love those that you want us to love, to serve those that you want us to serve, to live lives as ambassadors of your kingdom, God. So I thank you, Jesus. I pray this in your name, amen. Now I wanted to finish like this. I think that the truest dreams and visions in our heart are given by God. The truest desires of our heart are given by God sometimes we need to clear the fluff to hear those visions and to hear that call once again and so i want to provide space and time for people you're hearing this message and you're going i want to run my part of the race well i think a big part of it is remembering what race we are meant to be on and so some of you might need to go back to when you were a child and god spoke to you maybe in your bedroom maybe in your sleep maybe in a dream or maybe you were used gone going to something and God put something on your heart and God wants to stir it up today. Church, we have been blessed. Sometimes we just need to remember it. God is speaking and what He says is absolute truth and it's golden for us. So why don't we stand this morning. I'm going to close because I believe that this is a moment for those that really want to come back to God. And so if you want to have a vision, a mission re-stirred up in your heart, or maybe stirred up for the first time, maybe you're genuinely in a place where you're going, I don't know why it's necessary for me to live today. I don't know why it's necessary for me to continue my life. Well, you know what? God wants to speak into that. God wants to let you know why it's necessary for you to continue on. And in this place, in this presence, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to meet with people and wants to stir up a vision and a calling once again. God has desired designed you as a necessary part of his plan so run this race in a way that you will not be disqualified so let me pray and then the band's gonna sing this song and if you want prayer you come forward and we'll pray with you we'll believe with you for a word a refreshing word from God if you want to do business with God in your seat because God's already stirring up and speaking to you that's fantastic as well Dear Jesus, I thank you that you have called each and every single person. No matter how young, no matter how old, no matter how far gone, no matter how, how, how mature. I thank you that each of us has a part to play. I thank you that God, that having a greater capacity is because God, you've got a mission worth living for. So God, I pray for every person who has that lies of the enemy come into their heart and told them that they can't. For every person who has has maybe lost some time and lost years uh, from doing things, I pray to God that you're showing them that they were not lost in your economy. I pray for every person who is here right now saying, I don't know if I can do what you're calling me to. I pray for strength and courage to return into their spirit and into their soul. I pray to God that we would be an army uh, ready. We would be athletes trained up and ready for the race that you have got for us, God. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much, Church. The band's going to lead us. You can head to the foyer, have morning tea, chat with someone when you're ready. But if you know that God is speaking to you right now, why don't you come forward? Because I believe that God is wanting to do a great work in you. Thank you so much, Church. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.